When did you last feel raw, unbridled, exquisite pleasure? I know where you might think we're going with this, but calm down. Our next guest believes that sexual pleasure is just one form of pleasure in an infinite world of possibilities. And they also believe that when we feel pleasure, we are healthier, we're happier, and maybe even contributing to a better world. That's quite comforting as you bite into a delicious treat or wallow in a glorious bath or whatever your pleasure happens to be. Euphemia Russell, welcome to Life Matters. Thank you, Hilary. It's a pleasure to be here. Tell me more about this idea that you float in your book of a pleasure spectrum. What does that look like? Hopefully vast is the idea, is that when we prioritise our pleasure and we feel our pleasure and we remember to feel it in everyday moments, that we actually expand our possibilities or our spectrum of choices for pleasure in each moment, not just sexual pleasure, but any type of pleasure in any single moment of the day. Is it limiting that often when we say the word pleasure, many people go straight to the idea of sex? I mean, can it apply to non-physical, non-sexual experiences too? Absolutely. A big component of slow pleasure and the philosophy I have created around it is savouring. And I talk about how we can save the memories part, the future, the present. It can be mental. It can be senses, sensations. I definitely think that the idea or the default belief that pleasure is only sexual pleasure is limiting our connection to ourselves and our aliveness in ourselves as well. It is a very easy through line though, isn't it? And I noticed that your book, Slow Pleasure, uh, has lots of images of uh, various naked body parts, you know, voluptuous undulating flesh. It's, It's something that I guess is such a part of what we think about when we think about pleasure. Absolutely. The, the thing that I think is important, which is what I explore brick by brick, basically, in, in the book, is that embodiment is key to pleasure. And when I say embodiment, I mean noticing our thoughts, our feelings, and our sensations in the current moment. And so I think it starts with the body of being like, oh, I am a human who lives in space and time, and I live in my body right now in this moment. So I think that often we can sexualize the body and think that that is what we're alluding to with pictures of that. But also there can be such sweet moments of exploring sensations or senses that are very unsexual but deeply pleasurable. And you talk about some of those specific sensations, like the the sensation of the wind on your skin. What are some Mm. other things that you focus on, Euphemia? For me, it's always shifting. And as I say in the book, I also have a fumbly long process with pleasure, but it's something that we always practice and never master. And so the current things for me in life is that I oil down my body. I live in Los Angeles. And so it's the first time I've lived in a desert. And so oiling down my body after the shower is a way that I can connect with my body. And remember, I have a body and appreciate and just basically do a body scan, but with touch. And it's been such a beautiful practice for me to do each day as a way to nurture and pay attention to what I'm in and what I'm experiencing in that moment. 
It's a really interesting thing to devote some time on the radio and to do, as you've done, Euphemia Russell, and devote a lot of your life Mm. work to focusing on pleasure, writing a book about it, because a lot of people think of it as a hedonistic thing, just simply Mm. something about um, the self and and self-gratification. But you argue that it's a bit more than that and it can actually ripple out and have quite radical impacts. Can you explain that for us a bit? Yeah, absolutely. I think what you're saying is so true and something, a belief that we've inherited. So I talk about how we live in a crisis of pace and disconnection. And I think we've inherited a lot of those beliefs that pleasure is something we do once we've completed work or it's frivolous or it's indulgent or we don't deserve it. And all of these things and these beliefs that we've inherited can become barriers for us to actually experience pleasure. But I think that pleasure is actually a fuel. It's a resource. It's something that can actually be done and integrated into each moment. And we can often think that we'll be corrupted by pleasure. But actually, if we integrate it into every moment, we can see that pleasure spectrum as something that we can be aware of and choices in every single moment of our day and realize, oh, it's not just hedonism. It's not just frivolous actions. It's something that can connect me more deeply to myself and in turn to others, whether that be lovers or people we love or people that we connect to in our everyday life as well. I think some people might still find it hard to draw that connection between, yes, being embodied in your body and coming to think of pleasure as something you deserve, not, uh, uh, you know, some of your clients have said to you, a luxury that happens after all the boring jobs have happened. Mm -hmm. But drawing that line between that sensation and looking at the rest of the world and working out what needs to be changed to make life better for others. Is that an obvious connection for you? It is actually. I have a background in community cultural development. So I've worked very specifically in social justice and realizing that pleasure is one resource of many that helps fuel us towards creating, imagining, and hoping for a different future. And we often see it as as being at odds. But when we resource ourselves and that, that cheesy belief of when you fill your cup, it overflows. And therefore, you have a ripple effect being able to give more and to have more nourishing connection and aliveness in yourself and therefore be able to contribute more wholeheartedly and more values aligned to the world. So I very much bring social justice and politics into my pleasure work because that is my background and they're also my beliefs and values too. We're speaking with Euphemia Russell on Life Matters today. They are a pleasure and somatics coach from Melbourne, now living in California. And their first book is called Slow Pleasure, Explore Your Pleasure Spectrum. Euphemia, uh, how comfortable is Australian culture with the idea of pleasure compared to some of the other cultures you've experienced? Because you've travelled in India too, haven't you? I do mention that in my author's note. That's very astute of you. <laughs> I'd like to read the book. I think, I think there's very different as I speak about a lot of our beliefs around our barriers to pleasure, we think are our individual responsibility or that we're lacking something. And everyone is so relieved to know that it's so common that we experience struggle around pleasure. And I think that that is because of shame. It's collective shame, it's structural shame. And I think there are different types or expressions or flavors of shame in different cultures. And it depends on 
perhaps the religion that has influenced that area or the governmental policies or the history or indigenous cultures or gender. And there are so many factors that I think, unfortunately, we do live in and struggle with shame collectively. And it's just different expressions of it. So how do you go about dismantling that? Because that's your work, isn't it? You work with people to help them foster their capacity for pleasure as a somatics coach, so focusing on embodying mm. those sensations. How do you do that as someone who's been very clear in the book to position themselves as coming from a particular background and set of privileges? How do you do that for everyone who might come to you? The, re- the way that I structured the book is that I talk a little bit about something and then at the end of every single subsection, I offer a pleasure practice or reflection questions because I believe that pleasure and embodiment is more about remembering and trusting to what you hear and feel in your body and then inviting more pleasure in rather than actually our focus on trying to learn or accumulate information and believing that that is going to solve or fix it. And so what this book and what my work in general through coaching and through facilitated spaces and workshops is trying to create a place for people to listen and remember and actually to begin to realize, oh, I already knew this all along. I was just distanced from myself and being able to hear it and feel it and follow with curiosity what could happen if you invite more pleasure in. Do do some of your clients pl- face particular challenges depending on their gender or sexual orientation or age or other uh, identities they might carry? Yes, absolutely. I have found that there are many people who are socialised, particularly in more minority identities, who often feel detached or distanced from their own pleasure because they have potentially either defaulted to other people for safety or belonging um, or a sense of dignity in that moment and therefore don't actually even know what they want or need or desire or require for safety because they have been defaulting to other people around them or pleasing. And that is a dynamic that I see often with people and it's something that I work very specifically with. And then the other part is people not being able to know how to get out of their heads and into their bodies. And I think they are very much structural and it's shaped by your identities and your socialization, whether that be gender, whether that be the ways, the culture that you grew up in. There are so many different factors. One of those factors that you write about, Euphemia Russell, is trauma. And you draw on some of your own experiences to argue that pleasure can help to process trauma and to heal. Can you go into some more detail about how that works for us? Because I guess some people might argue that you need to process the trauma before you can truly feel pleasure again. I talk about trauma as a potential barrier. That's something that I have experienced myself. That's something I see in many other people. And that's something that a lot of the people who are experts in trauma who specifically focus on somatics, which is the idea of focusing on the mind, the feelings and the body, uh, see is that we can become distanced from our pleasure. But that I, I talk about the idea of what is called titration, which is basically just means small doses. It's a somatics term where we don't have to be all or nothing. 
So if we're experiencing trauma and we feel we're feeling, basically trauma can be described as a chronic state of disconnection. And pleasure creates nourishing connection to self or to others or to the world around us. And so if we can experience pleasure in small doses, we can remind ourselves that it's not all or nothing and that actually, even if we're experiencing trauma, we can also still have the capacity for pleasure and that we deserve it and that we can even prioritize it. You talk too about savouring this this concept of how to truly connect with lots of different kinds of pleasures. Could you talk a little bit more about that, Euphemia? Because you mentioned, you know, sensations and the senses, sexual pleasure, but also imagination. How does savouring work in those realms for you? I love talking about savouring. I would say that that is the ultimate practice because I talk about how we can experience pleasure but maybe we're experiencing a really pleasurable meal, but we're rushing through it and we're actually not paying attention to the subtleties and the nuances of that moment. And savoring allows us to elongate time and to really feel into a moment. And that is something that you can do through your senses. It's something you can do through your imagination. As I talk about, you can savor the past with a memory and it can bring you joy or pleasure again. You can savor something in the moment or you can savor something in the future. And the anticipation of that can bring so much satisfaction or excitement or pleasure. And it can actually have a similar effect on the brain as if you're experiencing that moment right now, which is so beautiful to think of. And I talk about how We all have different pleasure mapping. Basically, what I mean by that is that we all have different desires and it's so fun to be able to explore what lights me up and being able to practice savoring in the past, the present and the future can really give you insights of, oh, I really love this. This brings me so much pleasure and so much joy. I want to create more of that in my life. And the slow pleasure uh, really connects to that idea of savouring. I think, as we've seen in the the uh, conversations around slow food and slow travel and other ways to experience our world that are a little bit different from the way that we've been used to experience a lot of the modern world. Euphemia Russell, you say you'd like to help create a more pleasure-based culture. What might that look like? How, how would you integrate an appreciation of pleasure into our lives as they now stand, if you could? I think every moment that we are grounded in pleasure, in that moment, in our bodies, that is creating a pleasure-based culture. It's not necessarily some big sweeping moment where the scales just tip and suddenly we're in a pleasure-based culture, but it's remembering that each of us have an impact and that when we gather in spaces and when we talk about pleasure, collectively or in groups, that is still really radical because it's not something that we necessarily speak about, not just sexual pleasure, but all types of pleasure as well. And so being able to realize that we are all having a relationship with pleasure that might have barriers and being able to normalize that and to be able to come together in that and support each other, all of those things are contributing towards a pleasure-based culture in my belief. It's sometimes hard to try and imagine how those kind of conversations would be role modelled because it's such a, a 
different idea of uh, of our world than the kind of busy, productive idea that a lot of us have come to see as valuable. Where would you like to see that kind of leadership come from? I would say that I would like it to come from community spaces of people gathering in the name of pleasure and to realize that they can create what that looks like and feels like for them and for the group in the way that feels most aligned and best for them. And to remember that when we have pleasure, we have more choice. And when we're embodied, we have more choice. And that is a beautiful thing to remember in a world where we can often feel rushed and disconnected and feel like we are on autopilot and to be able to just go off to the edge of the stream and be able to pause and listen and realize that we can have so much hope and possibility when we gather and when we imagine it together. It is a beautiful vision for the world, Euphemia Russell, and and there's a lot of lovely things to think about in your book. Thanks so much for joining us on Life Matters today. Thank you so much, Hilary. It's been an absolute pleasure. Euphemia Russell is a pleasure and somatics coach from Melbourne, now living in California, and their first book is called Slow Pleasure, Explore Your Pleasure Spectrum. And I hope Life Matters is part of your pleasure spectrum, an appropriate part here on Radio National. Getting in touch with ABCRN is easy. Join the conversation live using the ABC Listen app's call and text features.